Hello and welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack and I appreciate everyone for bearing with us during a long break. You know how life goes, things happen, uh, but we are gonna jump right back into things. So it is just me today. And today we're going to be talking about the laughing kookaburra, or as I will call it uh, throughout the rest of the episode is kookaburra. But we are talking about the laughing kookaburra. So the kookaburra is found in the woodlands and open forests in Australia. Uh, its nickname uh, it has one nickname, and it is the Bushman's Alarm Clock, which, as you can imagine, where they might get a nickname like that, similar to something like a rooster, uh, where they are very loud and they are very vocal in the mornings. So in Australia, in these woodlands and open forests, uh, they perch in large trees and nest in cavities of tree trunks and branches. Uh, so they are part of uh, tree kingfishers, and tree kingfishers uh, are native to Asia, islands in the Indian and uh, South Pacific Ocean, Australia. You'll find kingfishers all throughout there. So the kookaburra's natural range is eastern and southern Australia. But in 1897, it was introduced into the southwest corner of the continent, and in 1905 in Tas into Tasmania as well. And several attempts have been made to import kookaburras into New Zealand, and, and a population became established around the city of Auckland. Then as for its appearance, uh, it has a, a, a nice variety of appearances. It has a light beige or white head and breast with brown wings and back. Uh, the head will have a brown uh, stripe, like a mask crossing, crossing each eye, as you can see. And the kookaburra's breast has these pale gray wavy lines, and the outsides of the wings are speckled with pale blue dots, which is a, makes for very beautiful uh, colorage, and you can see in some of these pictures. The male laughing kookaburra often has blue above the base of the tail, uh, and then both sexes have a rusty red tail with black bars and white tips. As for size, uh, the height of the kookaburra is anywhere between about 15 and a half inches to 16 and a half inches. And weight wise, they're between uh, seven and about 16 and a half ounces with females being slightly heavier than males. And for both uh, height and weight, the female is slightly larger than the male. Uh, another interesting characteristic is their beak, which is very large compared to the rest of their body. It almost looks cartoonishly large. So it's a heavy and boat shaped and the beak alone can reach four inches long. And that's just something that happens with kingfishers. They're, they're eating a lot of fish. This is the kind of beak adaptation that they've had for that and g going into what they eat. So even though they are kingfishers, they do eat more insects, reptiles, frogs, and rodents than fish. They are actually famous for eating snakes and how it might hunt, uh, so to speak. So killing a snake uh, up to three feet, it'll kill a snake up to three feet long by grabbing it behind the head and smacking it on the ground. And then snakes are also sometimes dropped from midair onto the ground uh, as a way to uh, put like tenderizing it. Uh, and then when hunting, a laughing kookaburra will sit motionless on a perch and watches for prey to pass by. The bird can keep its head perfectly still while its body kind of sways with the branch below. So it's got, you know, that good vision to where it's not getting thrown off by the moving branch, but it also is blending in with the movement of the branch. Uh, when prey is sighted, the kookaburra will swoop down, land next to it, and grab it with its large bill. And it carries the food back to a perch beats it several times against the branch, as I was saying with the snake, uh, will beat it against the branch to kill and then soften the prey as well. And the food is then swallowed head first and whole.
Then as for what eats it, uh, danger comes from the sky for the most part. Uh, in the you have large owls, eagles, hawks, falcons, and then chicks and uh, any parent who's in incubating an egg or brooding a chick in the nest are vulnerable to snakes such as or uh, more reptilian uh, predators. You have pythons, monitor lizards, and then quolls. Um, then some other predators also include foxes and domestic cats. So you're a pretty standard range of what a bird of this size might be being eaten by. As for mating, uh, there is a little bit of courtship. Uh, so adult kookaburras will pair for life and use the same nest hole found in a tree hole or arboreal, arboreal termite nest each year. Courtship starts by the male feeding the female about six weeks before she lays her eggs. Then getting into pregnancy and egg laying, uh, a brooding pair establishes a year-round territory that is also used for four to five of its, to, of its grown young, which serve as like helpers in this little family unit. These helpers do their share of like incubating the eggs, keeping chicks warm, feeding the young siblings, as well as helping to defend the territory with their parents. All members of the group develop brood patches, which is a bare space on their breast with lots of blood vessels for warming the eggs. So if you've ever seen a, uh, a bird that has this like naked spot on its chest, uh, that is the brood patch. And so that way, when they're laying on eggs and or when they're laying on their eggs, the eggs are in direct contact with that bare skin and it helps keep the eggs warmer because they're closer to that source of heat. The female will lay two or three white eggs, often a day or two apart. And in rare instances, the nest may also include two or three eggs laid by female helpers. So that's it's this nice little family unit that's going on here in this singular nest. Um, as I said, about two to three eggs by a dominant female. Additional eggs can be almost up to five laid by the female helpers. And the incubation period is around 24 to 29 days, so not quite a month. Then as for child rearing, the, the parent birds often give uh, small snakes to their chicks so they can learn how to kill prey. The kookaburra chicks hatch out naked and with eyes sealed, but have a very sharp hook at the end of the bill. Uh, the first chick in the nest to hatch may turn on its younger siblings, biting and often killing them, especially if food is scarce. And this is not unheard of in the animal kingdom. You'll see this a lot. There's a lot of competition between siblings at that point. Uh, it's that whole uh, mentality of like, you know, survival of the fittest. That's how you get the best offspring to shine through. Uh, they, the, the chicks are ready to fledge around 33 to 39 days. So a little over a month after they hatch. They still need the group for food for about two months after fledging. And at about four years of age, the helpers leave to establish their own territories and the lifespan for a kookaburra uh, is about 11 years in the wild and in the in uh, captivity can get up to 15 years and then some some behavioral things for the kookaburras uh, they keep the same territory year-round as i mentioned and family groups gather together to announce the boundaries with their distinctive calls uh, the kookaburra has a sound that you've probably heard uh, it is a very distinct sound it's used in a lot of like movies and shows uh when showing stuff like jungles and whatnot it is a very distinct call similar to how when we talked about the loon it's a very distinct call in a lot of uh media that you will hear so they have different shorter calls used for finding others courtship raising an alarm showing aggression and begging for food so they have lots of different calls but they are still very distinct so they have a very loud call 
Uh, it's a laughing kookaburra vocalizes in its family group at dawn and at dusk, hence the Bushman's alarm clock. Uh, the call sounds like a variety of trills, chortles, belly laughs, and hoots. It starts and ends with a low chuckle and has a shrieking, uh, quote, laugh in the middle. The song is a way uh, the birds advertise their territory. So other kookaburras may know, other animals may know, this is where the kookaburra is. Uh, stay out of our area. Then as for population size, so its population is currently stable. Uh, it, it seems to thrive in the presence of humans. The birds are known to be bold and they are known to steal food from picnics, sometimes snatching hot meat straight from a barbecue. Uh, so they seem completely undeterred by people, which can be both a good and a bad thing. So some threats for the kookaburra, they're not currently considered threatened, although loss of habitat is a primary threat to the birds. As I mentioned with the being comfortable around humans, that's going to be the big thing is these uh, encroaching and loss of habitat by people. Uh, so, but like I said, they still have adapted well to human development and often inhabit suburban areas, which help provide both food and shelter. And that wraps up all the, uh, you know, the factual things we have. I still have a couple fun facts about the kookaburra to wrap things up. So according to a legend uh, of some of the indigenous peoples of Australia, the laughing kookaburra song is a signal for the people, for the sky people to light the sun each morning. Uh, really cool. You'll see this in a lot of different cultures where there's an animal that kind of like summons or brings the day, brings the sun. Um, and some fearless kookaburras have been documented stealing food from a snake. So they are very uh, confident uh, birds. And laughing kookaburras seem to be able to determine the sex of their offspring. Usually, the first egg to be laid in a clutch will be a male, and the second egg will be a female. Uh, how they do it, I'm not sure, but they do it. Uh, many people don't know that they have heard the laughing kookaburra song. Uh, like, uh, like I was saying earlier, the call has been used as a sound effect in jungle movies for many years, where it almost sounds like a group of monkeys. Yeah, if you've heard it, it probably sounded more like monkeys than it sounds like a bird. Uh, but I do encourage you to look up what a kookaburra sounds like, and you will probably realize you have heard that call before. Um, but that wraps up everything I have on the kookaburra. I'm going to be trying to get back into regularly recording, whether that be by myself um, or with someone else. But I just wanted to start getting back into things. And I hope the kookaburra is a nice jumping in point uh, to get back in here. Uh, but again, thank you for listening. And I'll catch you on the next one.